0: But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot said, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, You would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave."
1: Let's pray as we come to God's word together. Father God, we do pray now as we study your word together that we would know your peace and that you would bring comfort to our troubled hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen. When we first became aware of the coronavirus outbreak in China uh, back in January, I guess the... The initial reaction of many of us would have been one of general concern, similar to our concern for, for other crises in the world that are remote to us. Like the war in the Middle East, floods in Bangladesh, Ebola in Africa. We feel for those affected, we, we pray for them. But it's not going to affect us personally, and our lives will, will carry on as they have done. Even as the virus spread to to Italy and concern increased, there was still probably a sense of, well, it, it won't come here. But a couple of months on, and the situation has changed dramatically. No one could have seen for foreseen we six months ago that our hospitals would be overloaded, companies would go under, schools, shops, pubs would be closed, all sport would be cancelled, and everybody would have to stay at home. Last week we started a new series called Comfort for Troubled Hearts, which is precisely what a lot of people need um, throughout the world at this time. I mentioned that a third of, of the population in this country say they are very worried about the current situation. Another fifth say they are the most worried that they have ever been. Which is not really surprising, since for most of us in this country this will have been the worst crisis that we will ever experience. And so Jesus' words are what we need to hear. As he says in this passage, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. In this passage in John's Gospel, Jesus has told his disciples he's about to leave them. And uh, for them personally, that's a massive blow. Their whole lives have been turned upside down. And so he seeks to reassure them before he goes. The reassurance that he gave his disciples that we looked at last week, uh, also, and which also applies to us today, was this, that he's gone to prepare a place in heaven for us. And he will come to take us to be with him and the Father. Our place in heaven doesn't depend on our efforts, but trusting in what Jesus has done for us, the work that he's done on the cross. We already know God, our Father, because Jesus has shown him to us. And the time until we die or Jesus comes again won't be wasted time, because Jesus will continue his work through us if we ask him. Well, this week, as Jesus continues his farewell discourse, he will give his disciples even more reassurances uh, for these troubled times. Four things in particular he mentions that he will give us to enjoy. The first of those is, he says, you will enjoy the gift of the Holy Spirit. Who is this Holy Spirit? What will he do? On well, verse 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Well, first of all, the Spirit is described as an advocate. Uh, this is a translation of the Greek word paraclete, which literally means one is called alongside you. The reason he will come alongside you, as it says here, is to help you and to be with you. He'll be there to to strengthen you when you are feeling weak, to lift you up when you're feeling down, to comfort you when you're feeling sad. An advocate is somebody who represents us, who, who champions us, who defends us, who protects us. He'll not be there just to keep his company, After all, a dog can do that. But someone who's actively working on our behalf, hence the legal connotation of that word. And he's someone we will know. This is not just a friend of a friend of a friend. This is someone we will know personally, someone whose presence we will experience. The reason Jesus describes the Spirit as another advocate is because that is one of the roles that Jesus has been playing for His disciples up to that point. Jesus also describes them as the Spirit of Truth. Last week we heard Jesus say to His disciples, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. So in what way is the Spirit the Spirit of Truth? Later on in verse 26, Jesus says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Jesus is the truth. He has taught the truth, in particular the truth of how they can know God. What the Spirit will be doing is not teaching them anything new, but he'll be reminding them of everything that Jesus has said to them. Why does he need to do that? Well, firstly, they haven't fully understood what Jesus has taught them. And the Spirit will enable them to, to understand completely. Secondly, they will be the ones who record what Jesus has said in order for, for it to be proclaimed to the world. They therefore need to know and remember the truth so they won't just be relying on their own human resources they'll be given divine inspiration to do the task which they've been called to do which is why we believe the word of God is reliable it's without error, it's just as God wanted it to be if you listened to last week's sermon you'll remember that Jesus said he would continue his work through the disciples well now we know how that will happen it'll be through the power of the Holy Spirit That's a great encouragement. A second great encouragement is that you will enjoy eternal life. One of the tragedies of this crisis is people dying alone in hospital without being able to say goodbye to their loved ones. And sometimes people not even being able to attend their funeral. By the end of the evening, Jesus would have been arrested and taken away. The disciples will scatter. Peter will remain at a distance, but when confronted, he will deny that he ever knew Jesus. In his Gospel account, Luke describes uh, that event with an extra bit of detail. After Peter has denied Jesus for the third time, he writes, The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoke to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. I'm sure Jesus' look wouldn't have been a look of, of condemnation, but a look of sadness. But Imagine if that was the last memory that Peter had of Jesus. Well, hopefully he would have remembered these words Jesus said, even if he didn't know how he would do it. Jesus says to them, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. I don't know if you saw the recent TV documentary in which Prue Leith, the uh, great British Bake Off presenter, went to Cambodia with her adopted daughter, uh, leader who is now in her 40s, uh, trying to find out more about her birth family. Lita was six months old when she was rescued by an American pilot from the city of Phnom Penh, uh, just three days before it was taken over by the Khmer Rouge. It was believed that her mother had died in a rocket attack while her father, a soldier, had vanished. She went back to find out what had happened. Jesus is saying to his disciples, I won't just disappear, I will be able to come and say goodbye. But this is more than just being able to say goodbye, important as that is. Because I will come to you means that his death won't be the end. Before long the world will not see me anymore, he says, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. I think it's Probably deliberately obscure, but what he's trying is saying is he's going to come back to life. And the reason he will appear to them again is to show them that there is hope after death. Because I live, you also will live. If Christ had died and stayed dead, that would have been the end. There would be no victory over death, no hope for any of us. But as Paul explains to the church in Corinth in his letter to the Corinthians, he says, "For Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Also, if Jesus had not appeared to anyone after his death, how would they know? For this reason, we're told, he appeared to 500 brothers and sisters after he was raised to life. He may not have appeared to anyone else. The world will not see me anymore, he said. But you will see me. Because I live. You also will live. And even after I do leave you, you won't be abandoned. You won't become orphans, because you'll be adopted as a child of my Father in heaven. And there is no better Father to adopt you. Jesus says, not only will you enjoy a relationship with God the Father, but also you will enjoy an intimate relationship with the whole Godhead. What we see in this passage is an amazing description of the, the three persons of the Trinity, of the Father. God the Son, and God the Spirit. All at work. They have different roles. Jesus asks, the Father sends, the Spirit is sent by the Father at the request of the Son. They're all equally God in their their nature, but they have complementary roles, and they, they all accept their roles, they all accept their place in the Godhead. And the amazing thing is that Jesus' followers are being invited to be part of this perfect, harmonious relationship. Verse twenty says, "On that day," which has meant the day when Jesus reappears to them after the the resurrection. You will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in Me, and I am in you. The Father and Son are not a one, not in the sense of being one person. But they are one in their nature and in their purpose. They share a perfect harmony. You can't separate them in that sense. And as Jesus' followers are united to him by faith, so too are they united to the Father. On the cross, Jesus achieved that perfect reconciliation. Last week we read how Jesus was going to prepare a place in heaven for his followers, and he would come and take them to be with him, where they would live forever. Well, we see that promise expressed here again another way. Look what it says. It says, My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. It's like a bride and groom coming together in marriage, starting a new life together as they um, move into a new home together. Together they will choose where to live, how to decorate their home, how to use their home, who to invite into their home. They were two And now they are one. At the moment, in the the current lockdown, people living together under the same roof might cause some tension. But with God, it is perfect peace and harmony. So even for those who are not able to enjoy the intimacy of a human relationship, for those who live on their own, we are all invited to enjoy the intimacy of a relationship with God, Father, Son, and spirit but there seems to be a bit of a catch here if you, if you look closely um, and we need to ask ourselves this question isn't there a condition attached to the enjoyment of this relationship but Jesus starts the passage off with these words if you love me keep my commands verse 21 he says whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me And in verse 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. But what he's not saying here is, if you obey my commands, then I will love you. What he's saying is, if you are obeying my commands, then that shows that you already love me. What are these commands? Well, look back at verse 34 of chapter 13. There it says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this will everyone know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. You don't love someone because you are commanded to do it. You love them because you want to. When a couple say their vows to each other at a wedding service, they don't say them reluctantly. They don't think, well, if this is what I need to do to get married, then I suppose I'll have to do it. They say those vows with real meaning. I hope when people become members of this church and make promises to, to love and support each other, we don't do it reluctantly or pay lip service to it, but we do it because we, we want to, because we mean it. But of course, we're we still sinners, we, we still fail consistently in our efforts to to love our husbands or wives, um, let alone others. So how will people know if we love Jesus? But you remember one of the promises we looked at last week, when Jesus said, You will do greater works than these. He was referring to the gift of the Spirit. Up to this point, Jesus has been teaching his followers about salvation, showing how to live Christ-like lives. But now he'll be giving them the gift of the Spirit to enable them to do that. It's a fulfillment of the, the Old Testament prophecy in Ezekiel 36, when God said this. He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. It's only by God's grace, by his spirit working in us, that our hearts will be changed to love God and to love one another. His spirit will give us a delight in God's commands and an ability to fulfill them. Well, finally, Jesus reassures his disciples by telling them that you will enjoy the peace of God. Peace I leave with you, he says, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Where peace conjures up all sorts of images in in people's minds, but what is used in the Bible? The word is great depth. At its heart, it describes our relationship with God. When God created humankind, he, he lived in peace and harmony with them. When sin came into the world, that peace was lost. But God promised that one day that peace would be restored. And that will be through the promised Messiah, the Prince of Peace. Hundreds of years before Jesus came, the prophet Isaiah described what the Messiah would do. He writes, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. That is what Jesus achieved on the cross. He achieved peace between humankind and God. Reconciliation, the end of separation between humans and God. So we can enjoy an intimate relationship with Him forever. Having been made right with God and enjoying peace with God, then everything else falls into place. Doesn't mean life will go smoothly for us in the future. Doesn't mean that the challenging situation in which we find ourselves will necessarily change but it's an ability to feel safe and secure when storms are raging around us. When Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. What he's saying is don't let the troubles that you are experiencing affect your heart, affect your inner being. Don't be afraid, he says. Don't worry that you don't know how long this situation will continue. Don't worry whether or not you will catch the virus. Because you are right in your relationship with God. And that is the most important thing, because that affects your eternal future. Nothing can change that. Therefore, be calm. Be at peace. The psalms, God, is often described as a refuge. A place where people can go when their lives are troubled and they need protection. The world cannot offer that. As Jesus says, I do not give to you as the world gives. In the world there will always be wars and rumors of wars. There will always be sickness and death and grief. That may remain remote or as with the virus it may come close to home and affect us personally. But either way we can still know the peace of God. The Him that we're going to finish our service with surely is a well-known one that starts with these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It's an acknowledgement that even in the face of the worst tragedy that life can throw at me, I can still know the peace of God in my soul. These weren't empty words, as some of you will know. The writer of that hymn, Horatio Stafford, lost a a fortune in the great fire of Chicago in 1871. He then lost his four-year-old son to scarlet fever. He sent his wife and four daughters on a ship to Europe, uh, planning to join them later. However, the ship was wrecked in the crossing, and his four daughters all died and so his wife survived but despite these multiple tragedies he was still able to write that song it is well with my soul my soul knows the peace of God and I pray that whatever you are going through you too will know that peace let's pray as we close dear father we thank you for your many blessings that we have read about in this passage and which we can hold on to in times of trouble. Thank you for the gift of the Spirit who will help us, who will be with us to strengthen and encourage us. Thank you that Jesus was raised to life and made it possible for us to enjoy eternal life if we trust in him. Thank you that we can enjoy an intimate relationship with you and with Jesus, and with the Spirit. And thank you that Jesus achieved peace with you through his work on the cross, and we can now enjoy that peace in our hearts, that whatever we may go through, nothing can separate us from your love. In Jesus' name, amen.